Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Well, hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Roundtable Square Traders. I'm your host, Kyle, and joining me for today's discussion is Retail Capital, along with Two Bulls Discord member, Robert, Robert R. Uh, but before we start overwhelming RC with all our questions, I'm just going to take a quick moment to say thank you to our sponsors and friends over at Manscaped, Trade Pro Academy, and Orderflow Labs. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, but did you know they have launched a line of beard care products? Lucky for you, we have an exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping using promo code TWOBULLS at manscaped.com. As always, that's the number two. And when it comes to institutional quality trading education, look no further than TradeProAcademy.com. Our free Discord server, you'll find instructions to take advantage of our discount with them as well. And for all you degenerates who enjoy trading futures, you definitely want to check out the custom tools and studies over at OrderForTheLabs.com. And of course, everybody needs to follow Retail Capital on his Twitter at itsonlymoney 12 and his writings over at RetailCapital.Substack.com. And lastly, uh, be sure to reach out with your suggestions, corrections, or questions for future guests, or even to request to join one of these roundtables. You can do that via email at twobulls at financialineptitude.com, or you can join that many times mentioned free Discord server, where a bunch of amazing people gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. Be sure to put all those links in the episode description as well. All right, now that we got all that jazz out of the way, let's, uh, let's meet today's guests. Retail, how are you doing today? Hey guys, I'm great. I'm great. Um, even though I lost some money today, but uh, very happy to be with you guys. That's my first podcast. So, uh, is your first? Absolutely. I'm a very shy nerd usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for stepping out of your comfort shell to do this. We've been uh, you've been requested many times. I think Joel's been bugging me to get you on. Robert is really wanting it to happen. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. When I when I got the invite, I was really excited, but then I was like, oh, I can't do that. Uh, but my fiance was like, you have to do it. So here we are. <laughs> uh, don't worry, you'll, uh, I'm sure you'll do just fine. Um, everyone hates hearing their own voice for the first time, though, so just brace yourself for that. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm used to, to listen to my voice because I'm, I'm recording all my trading sessions. Oh, um, okay. So every Saturday or Sunday, I have the pleasure to to listen to my voice. <laughs> <laughs> and your accent—that's uh, French, right? Absolutely. Uh, are you in France, or are you just from France? No, I'm from France. Uh, I'm currently in Bermuda. Uh, I'm kind of traveling between the U.S., Bermuda, and Europe. Uh, I'm going to move permanently to to the U.S. in a few months once my visa is approved. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right, right now in Bermuda, yeah. Do you need a sponsor? I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure we can find somebody to be willing to marry you. <laughs> well, uh, his fiance might say something. About yeah, that. I know, right? <laughs> it's only it's only paper. And she's uh, she's American, so it's already oh, sorted out. Ah, yeah. oh, okay. Uh, never mind. You don't need us. Uh, Robert, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. 
It's been, uh, let's see, we had you on for, for one of the, the news episodes. So this is our second time getting to yeah. experience the pleasure of your voice. Thank you. Yeah, this, so this is my second podcast then. So. Second, yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> And then this is, I, I can't even count them anymore. <laughs> a lot. I mean, technically this is my first podcast still, but <laughs> it's not the first time I've done it. Um, man, we've got a ton of questions for retail here. So why don't we just go ahead and uh, open the floor to Robert and, and let him start diving in and picking your brain. Uh, sure. So I'm really, I, uh, I'm a software developer for a long time, but I never worked in finance. So the idea of building software for finance really intrigues me, but I really don't know where to start, where to begin. Um, I've done some things for Sierra Chart and building some studies, but that's really different from creating algos for trading. And so really I'm interested in hearing, and all these questions really are about uh, how to find, identify, develop, and run algos to trade. So I, I guess we can just start out with these questions. The first one we had was, uh, Rita, where do you get ideas for new strategies or where do you look for those or? Yeah. And that's, that's a question I get a lot. Um, like every time I publish a Substack, uh, I'm going to have a few emails from people asking me, hey, where do you get your ideas from? Like, uh, how do you do it? Where do you start? Um, and so to find new strategies, uh, first of all, I'm not coming up with new strategies every week also. Um, I would say that uh, screen time is, is the most important factor. Uh, I've, I've been looking at the charts for uh, around 10 years now. So I kind of developed a relationship with, um, with the charts. And uh, every time I see something uh, interesting or outside of the ordinary, I'm going to take a note or I'm going to review my recordings over the weekend and see if we can find this kind of pattern over and over uh, in the in the database. You mentioned before the recording that you you like to record yourself to have something to review on the weekends. Like, how long have you been doing that? Been doing that for around two years. Um, so, if I've been trading for around ten years and I just turned pro uh, almost a year ago, that was uh, last last February. Uh, that's because I've been losing for. Uh, eight years, eight years and a half. So uh, I've been kind of um, very stubborn with, with my trading and I kept doing the same mistakes over and over. And uh, around two years ago, right. <laughs> around two years ago, I, I hired a, a mental coach and um, she's been like telling me to change a lot of stuff, including mm. Uh, like reviewing my trading, which I was never doing before. Um, and, and the first advice she gave me is to record myself every trading session and then to review it uh, after the close. So uh, I've been doing that consistently since since then, except that now I'm uh, just reviewing over the weekend. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been so helpful because you can see yourself reacting in real time to the shitty trades that you take. And it's been, it, it, it has been uh, life changing for my trading. So it's, are you recording yourself? Like a yeah. video image? So like you can see like you're like actually like the changes in yourself physically when you're in a trade. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm recording oh, wow. of course the screen and, and then myself because, um, so I've been, uh, before that, so I was an actuary and I was able to work from home 
quite often. Uh, so I would just have like my my trading software on one screen and then I would do some work for the company on the side. Mm-hmm. But when I would be in a trade, I would not even pay attention sometimes. You know, I would just like do something else or work or be in a meeting. Um, and when I realized that I was like, you know, I need to change everything. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. uh, can you tell us like some of the things that you write down? Like the when you say you see something out of the ordinary, can you give some examples of that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I'm trading with view up uh, a lot with the volume and mm-hmm. the volume profile as well uh, so one of the first thing i've noticed when i started using VWAP and the VWAP bands as well is like what's going on when we go in um, abnormal territories so when we are between the plus two and plus three standard deviation or minus two and minus three standard deviation bands um, and that's something that's going to happen actually uh, at least like once a day mm-hmm. on average. And you know, and you want to see how the, the price reacts there. Um, and you can compare that to like what has been the market structure over the last few days. Uh, and you can try to like derive some statistics. Uh, I've got a better example on, uh, on crypto. So I've been trading crypto for uh, about a year now. And the last two months I've been doing most of my volume on, on Bitcoin. Uh, there, there's something that has been really interesting on, on Bitcoin in January. Uh, it's kind of like the the local tops. So if you if you look at a chart of Bitcoin, uh, let's say you pull up like a 15-minute chart and you look at all the tops, you're going to see a very funny pattern from the volume. And if you look at all the individual bars, of, of, of like, let's say a 15 minutes, 15 minute candlesticks uh, with the volume, mm-hmm. you're gonna realize that for the local tops, like the volume is uh, much more important than for every other bar. Hmm. But it doesn't imply that it's gonna be like top specifically, it's more like how the price are gonna react in the next few candlesticks around that that potential local top. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff like this that you can, uh, analyze. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you're looking for trading IDs. Like one of the first thing when I started programming was just looking at the retest of uh, the previous day low or high or value low area, value high area. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that's going to come up consistently day after day. And that's really something you want to have as a criteria because the more data points you have, the better it's going to be for whatever system you're trying to build. I remember somebody in our Discord was uh, playing around with the idea of um, a trade involving a retest of the previous day close, and I was actually surprised to see how often that worked. Absolutely. Um, another example, um, I'm following someone on Twitter named, I think it's Paul Smith, and he's like programming a lot on uh, Ninja Trader. And yesterday, he was kind of bored and he started uh, trying some strategies. And he looked at the one-minute Nasdaq uh, chart over the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And he was like, how frequently are we going to retest the typical price of the previous candle? And he defined the typical price as the, uh, the open, the close, and mm-hmm. I guess the high divided by three. And so if you take that medium price for each one-minute candle, and you want to know 
how frequently it's going to be retested in the next 30 bars? Well, the answer was 94% of the time, which seems crazy, you know? Right. Oh. Because you have a lot of one-minute candle during the day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and so I read that and I was like, oh, that's cool. And boom, that gave me an idea to test something uh, slightly different uh, that I'll do probably over um, the weekend. What it sounds like is that it really just boils down to screen time. Like the more time you spend staring at the screens, then you start to notice patterns. And then those patterns are what give you ideas for new setups and ideas to test. So it's about summing up. Absolutely. And then, you know, being curious, like you, you want to test a lot of things. Most of the time, uh, it's not going to give you any edge, but sometimes mm -hmm. you're going to come up on something that might be um, useful. I've been also trying to learn about stocks, about options, uh, of course, about crypto a bit earlier on. Um, and all of this can give you some ideas. Like I don't trade stocks, but I've still been spending quite some time programming, um, like testing ideas for, for stocks. Uh, same for options. I started last December. Um, I still don't have anything useful at the moment, but who knows, maybe in like a few months, it's going to be, um, it's going to be something I use. Does that, uh, does that answer your question, Robert? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's really great. Uh, just I mean, the screen time and absorbing what's going on and then just being curious about different things that you're seeing. And journaling. Journaling sounds like a huge component of that too. Absolutely. And yeah. there's also a lot of, uh, a lot of podcasts uh, on the topic mm -hmm. uh, that you can listen to, um, especially like uh, some of the old episodes from Chat with Traders. Um, they, they still do it from time to time, but, uh, if, if you listen to, uh, episode 212 and 243, which are like my absolute favorite in terms of like finding trading IDs, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a great way to learn, um, strategies as well. Uh, make sure I link those in the episode description. Yeah. I'll definitely <laughs> check those out. Also the, uh, the Twitter, uh, person that you said, can you, uh, give me that name again? Paul Smith. Paul Smith. Okay. Just want to make sure I make a note of that. Uh -huh. All right, Robert, what else you got for us? Uh, you kind of already were touching on this, but when you get a strategy, I mean, how much testing do you do on that or get an idea for strategy? It may not even be a full blooded strategy yet, but yeah, I mean, how much testing when you, when you start to narrow things down and develop, okay, this is a strategy I want to test, not just an idea I want to explore or curious about something, but okay, I'm going to try this strategy. How, uh, how much testing? you're going to be doing on that and back testing in, in sample versus out of sample kind of thing. Um, so I spent quite a lot of time on that. I'm not going to lie, uh, on this one. Yeah, it does take a lot of time. I think I, I code around like 20 hours a week, uh, on average. Um, and it's been like this for, uh, a long time now. So I would say what really matters when I think I have a strategy, um, I'm always going to look for um, some key variables. So are you more interested in like how I develop the strategy or like how do I like create the process of like making sure it is a good strategy once I have the idea? Mm -hmm. um, well, both of those actually. So why yeah. don't we talk about how you develop the strategy uh, first? Okay. So let's take an example of the local tops or local bottoms. Mm -hmm. um, I've noticed that 
on average, the volume for the local bottom, and I'm going to give wrong numbers. Um, so you guys can uh, do the exercise if you want to have the, the correct numbers. But let's say on, on Bitcoin, uh, since the 1st of January, uh, the local bottoms or local tops, they have a volume on the one minute candlestick that is 15 times higher than for the rest of the candlesticks. So let's assume this is correct. And okay. then after that, I'm going to look at, okay, so how much time does it take to have some kind of retracement? Um, is it like in the next five candles, in the next 50 candles? Um, and then I'm going to try to measure the average of the retracement. But I'm not just going to look at the average of the retracement. I want to see all the data points. Um, I want to know, because the average is a, is a, is a good matrix, but you're going to lose a lot of information. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to look at all of this in detail. And once I know that, um, so on average, it's going to go down like 0.7%. But when it goes against me, it's going to go up like plus 2%. Um, I'm going to try to see like what is the ideal threshold where I can put my stop, where if the price goes above that limit, it means that most of the time it's going to like reach a much higher point. Right. And on, on the contrary, um, I'm, I'm going to do the opposite for like my, my tech profit. So this, um, is, is like where I would start. Then of course you, you cannot just rely on that because then it would be some kind of uh, over optimization. And so you're going to end up with a beautiful backtest, but in reality, you're just going to keep um, losing money. So <laughs> sounds like my experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, what I try to do is like testing my ideas on around like 75% of my data set and, uh, here I can optimize the parameters and I can play with that. But then I want to try these fixed parameters on the remaining 25% of my data sets to make sure that the statistics that I get out of the backtested strategies are the same on the out of sample uh, data mm -hmm. sets. Right. How big of a, a time range do you test it out on when you, like, I assume you do backtesting and let your strategy run and uh, throughout like the historical charts, like how, how long of a time frame do you look at? Yeah. So, uh, on the NASDAQ, I've got around, uh, 2.5 years of tick data mm -hmm. that are of good quality because getting good tick data is so difficult. Like it's been such a nightmare. And <laughs> before that, um, I also have like since 2014, of tick data on CFD uh, for for the Nasdaq as well. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've got quite some data, but now I'm just relying on the last 2.5 years for, for, for Nasdaq. Uh, for crypto, I've got around a year and a half of, of uh, data. Um, I'd heard somebody talking before about trying to optimize your strategies too much to your backtesting. Uh, is that something that you can, are concerned about or how do you combat that? the over-optimization like you'd mentioned a minute ago? Yeah, so two things. The, the first one is, of course, to uh, not optimize the strategy on the whole data set. Otherwise, you're going to have really bad surprises. Mm. And then the second thing uh, that I do for all my all my backtests, uh, and I've, I'm, maybe I'm going to answer 
another question at the same time, but that's fine, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you want your trades to be independent. Um, what does it mean? It means that let's say your strategy is going to take like 10 trades a day. And at the end of your back days, you have your uh, simulated equity curve. And let's say that equity curve looks beautiful. Uh, everything is perfect. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to shuffle all my trades. So I'm going to take each individual outcome of the backtested system and I'm going to uh, like shuffle it. So maybe the trade that I took uh, number five, it's not, it's now going to be trade number 255. And so oh. I, I do that around uh, a thousand times and I'm going to plot all these curves. And the idea is that the original backtested equity curve is supposed to be fairly similar to the other ones. Right. If it's not the case, usually it means that you're going to have some days or uh, maybe a few days where you're going to have like a favorable uh, market environment for your strategy and you're going to have much more winner than losers. But then when the market shifts, you're going to have like a completely different behavior. And so I'm trying to um, avoid that in my strategies. I'm trying to be kind of um, consistent over the days. I, I don't want to have like an amazing week, which is going to have like, I don't know, 85% um, winners. Uh, and then another week, which is absolutely catastrophic because I don't have a lot of historical tick data, like 2.5 years is, is not massive. It sounds so, like a lot to me. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of data points, but I know I'm not capturing like a lot of information mm -hmm. because, you know, like 2021 and 2022 were completely, like, yeah, abnormal years. Very strange years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I need to be mindful of that. And so it's, it's not an easy exercise. And, you know, I don't know if, I've got the correct answers, but that's that's what I'm doing at the moment, and uh, seems to to be okay. So that's interesting. So by shuffling the the trade orders around, you're basically just looking for whether or not you have the potential for big periods of drawdowns. Absolutely. Gotcha. When you say you've got two years of Nasdaq or two and a half years of Nasdaq, do you mean all the stocks, individual stocks in Nasdaq, or do you mean the Nasdaq index? Yeah, the index. Sorry, oh, the index. Okay. Where'd you get that from? Ninja Trader. Oh, okay. So yeah, you can you can export the tick data, uh, which is something I do every day <laughs> uh, to, to get to get like my uh, current statistics because I've got a few I've got a few scripts that I run every day to get some market information. Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah, Ninja Trader is is great for that. All right, what what else you got, Robert? Just wanted to clear. So when you talk about re rearranging re ordering your trades are you like reordering the days or, or how do you or are you reordering the, the trades just in the history and it's kind of creating a new curve so that's the second second option so let's say you have um 1200 trades in your backlist mm -hmm. uh, so each trade is going to be let's say uh plus 100 or minus 60 dollars what i'm going to do is that i'm just going to uh, shuffle that um array a thousand times and then i'm gonna calculate the total and put that on a on a beautiful chart to see what's going on uh, i see that makes sense yeah yeah i thought maybe you were 
like rearranging the data so that the trades were taken in a different order to see if there's any relationship between uh, the order that trades were taken or something like that, which was sounds, in, sounds interesting, but yeah, I'm not sure how to do that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of capturing uh, what you're talking about as well, what I'm, what I'm doing. Uh, I'll think about it a bit more of podcast, but I think it's capturing it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I see, I see what you're capturing is just making sure that your equity curve remains fairly consistent. Absolutely. Which makes a lot of sense. Less volatile, less, less volatility in your equity curve. Right. Yeah, because there, there was a question around the metrics that, that I look for in my strategies. And it's just going to ask that. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> the drawdown is a, is a big one. So uh, if you have only one simulated equity curve, you can't really capture the drawdown because there's no way these trades are going to happen at the same place in the future. So really, you want to, you want to shuffle that um, um, series of historical trades to see what is the real drawdown. And it's fairly common if you do that, like your original backtested strategy has a drawdown of like 15%. But then if you shuffle it and you look at the worst drawdown, it can be like 50%, which is a massive difference. Right, which would be might be difficult to sit through. Just out of curiosity, why not just use the percentages of the win rate? And then, because uh, I mean, like knowing the chances of having a winner, you should be able to basically simulate the data knowing knowing the win rates uh, to see how many you know randomized losses or wins you get in a row. And you can almost just run that as like a simulation. It's not going to work unless your backtested um, strategy has like 10,000 trades because Mm, okay. Let's say you have a simple strategy that has a 60% win rate. Yeah. So the chances of losing like 10 trades in a row are like 0.01%. The chances of losing five trades in a row are 1%. Mm -hmm. So let's say in your backtest, you have um, just say 10 trades or 100 trades. Let's say 100 trades. Okay. Maybe, you, maybe you're going to have one occurrence of um, five losing trades in a row. Mm -hmm. Okay because it happens like 1% of the time. And so if that was your backtest, then, you know, one time it's gonna happen five loser in a row. But if you like re-simulate everything a lot of times, um, then you might be able to see the real chances of having more losers in a row. Because in your backtest, you just have like a, you know, you don't have, you don't have everything. Right. No, that's what I mean. I don't mean using the actual trades. I just mean using the, the win rates and loss rates. Um, like just knowing those percentages, you should be able to almost generate like a simulated equity curve. Absolutely. Like, I think there is a, I think there's a spreadsheet that, uh, I think it was financial trading wisdom or financial wisdom as their YouTube channel had. I'll have to see if I can dig that up and forward it to you. Cause it has a spot, it has a spreadsheet basically where you just punch in like all the key metrics of your strategy and then it'll actually simulate a thousand trades for you and show you uh, like the random distribution. Like if you had a good run, if you had a bad run or, the, or out of the thousand, I think it shows you like, here's the best, here's the worst, here's the medium. I've seen tools like that. Okay. Yeah. Let me send this to, yeah. FTMO has a tool like this as well um, mm, okay. uh, that, that, that you can use. But I, I, I developed one actually, and I wrote an article about this where I'm doing exactly what you say. And I'm uh, giving different 
type of strategies, different win rates, different risk reward ratio. And I'm looking at all the different simulations um, because actually that's one of the first exercise I did in, in programming around risk management because I, I was losing a lot because I was taking shitty trades, but also because I had no risk management. So I would... <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. Yep, yep. Like, I'm not really proud of that, but um, I would I would load my um, my trading account with like 1,000 euro uh, very frequently. And I would just, you know, use everything that I had on my CFD account. And basically, you can lose everything in one trade. Like a like a one percent move on Nasdaq would wipe my account, and so I did that a lot of time. And at some point, I was like, even if I'm the best trader, if I keep betting like fifty percent or seventy percent of my account on every trade, I'm gonna lose it all at some point. That's inevitable. Right. And so that's why then I did a lot of work on risk management and simulation. And I think actually that that's one of like the best article that I wrote in terms of. Um, views and feedback from from the readers risk management yeah i uh, will make sure that gets linked to so what did you decide to do based on that like what was your conclusion so my conclusion is that you can still risk a significant amount per trade if you are 100 percent certain of your edge on my personal account i'm never going to risk more than 0.5 percent of my account but with prop firms, I'm risking something that's going to sound crazy, um, I guess, but uh, around 5% of my account on each trade mm -hmm. for two reasons. Uh, the first one is that my strategy, I took like more than 2,000 trades since I turned pro uh, with a win rate of slightly above 60%. That's a great rate. Wow. So I know... I, I know that, you know, I'm not going to have a long series of, of losers. Mm -hmm. And also it's a prop firm, so it's not really my capital. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work and I can get a new account. So right. I, have, I haven't talked a lot about this on, on Twitter. Uh, I just showed the, uh, the payment proof from the, from the prop firm. But the account I started on the 1st of January with them basically is a 100K account. But really, you can only lose like ten thousand dollars. Right, right, right. So, do you do five percent of the drawdown limit or the full account size? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to that. So, oh, okay. I, I, <laughs> I, um, on, on this account, I took around two hundred fifty trades uh, since since I had it, and my average risk is around um, like my average loss history is around eight hundred fifty dollars. Mm -hmm. um, and my risk to reward ratio is at one. So on each trade, I'm risking 8%. So $800 out is, is massive, you know, when you can only lose like $10,000. Right. But I turned this into uh, $29,000 in January. And in February, I'm like uh, $16,000 at the moment. Oh, wow. So if you don't release that episode until the end of this week. Uh, you guys can look up the the leaderboard on FTMO and I'll, I'll be there um, <laughs> after that. My, my, so you'll have my real name. 
but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, my point is, you can risk a significant amount of money, um, especially with prop firms. Again, because you know there's on the upside and very limited downside for your personal wealth, um, and and it can work if you know that you know your stats are legit. With the prop firms too, you almost have to be more aggressive because you have a month before you have to make another payment. And normally most people want to know whether they're going to pass or fail that eval within that first month. Otherwise you're just wasting money. Yeah, that's, uh, you have to be quite aggressive. That, that's true. Yeah. Or at least that's maybe my issue with them. <laughs> Are you trading with the algo with the prop firm or is that discretionary? Yeah. So I've got a few prop firms. I've got, uh, FTMO, Topstep and, um, Apex. So on Apex, I can't, like, it's against the uh, terms and conditions to use Argo, so I can't, I can't do it. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. On top step, uh, you can, no problem. And on FTMO, uh, it's almost fully automated. Um, I've got, I just need to do some more work to have it uh, completely automated. At the moment, I just get the signals uh, from Python, and I take the trade manually. Uh, Soon it's going to be completely automated. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Are all your trading automated or do you do any discretionary? So last year, I did around 20% of my volume with my algo strategy mm -hmm. and i'm planning to get to um, 80 percent by the end of this year so right now i'm in a transition phase where all my trades uh, that i take manually it's following some of the indicators i've been developing mm, okay so i only enter if i have a signal otherwise uh, i don't enter uh, which makes my life so much easier um, <laughs> right and because that's also something, you know, over trading, like I've been over trading for so many years and having just a binary output from your indicator telling you that the price is in a zone where you can trade is, mm -hmm. is, is, is been great help for me. It's almost like it's a, a relief, like to not have to, <laughs> not have to rely on your discretion because I think I've proven at least for me that my discretion is shit. <laughs> <laughs> or not yeah. to be trusted. Like if I could invert the buy sell buttons on my uh, mouse, I think I <laughs> might do. I might have a much better result. Yeah. So I've been there too. Yeah. Uh, so um, you, you just mentioned that you're, you're getting signals from Python. So is that something running in the background 
getting a data feed from NinjaTrader or and calculating those signals? Yeah, yeah. So that's for cryptos uh, on on Bitcoin because like something I love about crypto is that it's so much easier to get uh, good data and yeah. li live data. Like for futures, it's 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 a nightmare. Um, or you have to pay like a, a, a lot of money. A lot. Thank you, CME. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> for crypto, uh, you can you can stream the data so easily. Like as long as you're comfortable with the library uh, request on Python, mm -hmm. you can get basically all the data that you want in in real time, uh, which is what uh, which is what I'm doing. And then I just have my scripts running in the background. That's gonna give me a signal when I'm supposed to enter a trade. It's not even the direction because I just base my trading on the, on the volume so I can easily tell if it's a, a long or a sell. Okay. Uh, how much experience did you have with programming before you started diving into, uh, I guess, utilizing it to help with your trading? So I started programming around 15 years ago uh, when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. I was like just messing around and trying some um, some stuff. We had a website in France where you could do like create like two dimensional video games, and uh, I found it was fun. So I've been um, doing that. Mm -hmm. And then I was in actuarial school. We were doing a lot of programming to uh, kind of capture risks, all type of of risks. Um, hmm. And when I came to trading, at first I didn't really use programming, but I was still programming for my job. Uh, so I kind of always programmed over the last uh, decade or so. So what if uh, there's someone like me who, I mean, I have probably a leg up on the average person because I took some classes in high school, but I mean, that was a long time ago and uh, not necessarily uh, still at the forefront of my memory. <laughs> like where would somebody who doesn't have like necessarily experience of a nine to five job learn how to code so uh for me the best teacher is just to to get your hands dirty um, so i would i would advise to first install python you know uh, mm -hmm. that's that's the first step then the second step would be to try to get some data i always recommend yahoo finance uh, because it's a it's a really easy library to use with python there are plenty of examples available online um, where you can get data for uh, any stocks that you want or any indexes, uh, options. And then you can start with simple strategies. So you're going to start with the daily candles and maybe you want to see what happens when we have three green days in a row of at least 1% each day. What happened mm -hmm. the next day on average? You know, like starting with like simple things that you can uh, check vi visually, looking at the charts to make sure it's correct. Um, but that, that's where I would start. Otherwise, if you want to build like solid foundation, I love DataCamp. That's a kind of an online academy where you can learn Python and other programming language, but it's, it's really good. It's, it has everything you need to know to become a, a great programmer. It's gonna take a few months, but it's absolutely worth it. Uh, it sounds like uh, you do everything with Python then? You don't use like Visual C or any of the other ones? 
Well, I kind of have to use it for Ninja Trader. Um, ah, I, okay. I do, yeah, I do my own scripts on Python, and then uh, I've got a really good friend of mine who is uh, coding them for me in uh, Ninja. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do everything with with Python, but I need some help on the other languages. <laughs> I've heard Python's pretty intuitive and easy to learn. I, I've just never taken the time to check it out. Uh, Python is so easy to use that in five lines of code, you can get like the last 10 years of data for uh, Apple or Google or whatever stocks you want. Huh. That's that's how easy it is to use. Like it is incredible. Wow. All right. Yeah, it, it's it's great to get started with that. And it also built in tools to do, you know, to work with that data you know, in a table. Yeah, there's, there's a few libraries that, that you need to know. Um, and there's pandas yeah. that you're going to use to to manipulate data frames. There's NumPy for all the computation. Uh, you're going to have SciPy, um, Matplotlib to visualize whatever you're trying to to create. And I would say in the top five requests to get uh, some some data from different sources online. I'm going to have to ask you for that list because I couldn't type fast enough to keep up. <laughs> I'll send it. Okay, perfect. Um, Rich, I had a question to go back. So you said you were back testing with the uh, tick data. Uh, are you using a Python package to help with that back testing? Uh, no, I created everything by myself. Um, oh, okay. Uh, it's, it's, it was more time consuming, uh, mm-hmm. but at least I understand everything in my um, in my back test, uh, which which I find um, better. <laughs> yep. That's actually a good point. Cause like when you create something yourself, like you fully understand it, it seems like when you try to take somebody else's thing and adapt it, then, uh, yeah, your understanding of it is usually not as solid as if you did it yourself from the ground up. Yeah. And I, I, I did that because, uh, before trading futures, I was trading CFD, CFDs, mm-hmm. uh, on, um, IG market and you could do some backtests on their platform, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't go at the tick level. And so let's say you have like a scalping strategy looking for five points. So five point uh, tech profit and five point stop loss. Sometimes right after your entry, you're going to have a candlestick that goes in both direction in, in the same candlestick. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to know if it's a win or a loss, but the software was telling me it was a win. Oh, okay. I gotcha. And when I realized that I was like, okay, that's not going to work. So now they fixed that. But, um, at the time, that's when I realized that I had to do, you know, something that right. is better than that. Um, and so a good way that I found is you can like look for the signals on like one minute candlestick if you if you want to to gain some time rather than going through the whole uh all, the whole ticks in your in your database but once you have a signal then you have to switch to the ticks because it's going to give you like the true winner or loser mm-hmm. right no, that makes sense all right because the, the candle could form in a way you actually hit your stop before your target or something like that yeah 
That's actually something I was running into when I was uh, just back testing with just the simple candlestick patterns on a uh, uh, trading view. Was, I could run into that and be like, well, I wonder how much open profit this had. You know, there's no way to know if I would have hit my you know, point to move stops to break even because this candle is a massive doji. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same in, in Sierra. It has the candle or the bar-based back testing and then the tick-based back testing. And yeah. bar is yeah. much faster but tick is going to give you more accurate results. Anything that speeds up the back testing in Sierra. Oof. Yeah, but it, it's you, you lose a lot of accuracy by going to bar testing. I know, I know. <laughs> all right, well, do we make it through all the questions already? Um, there was something around the metrics that I uh, didn't fully cover. Um, I, I guess. We discussed about the drawdown, but... Um, yes, yeah, do you have... Uh, do you use any particular mat matrix like the sharp or Sortina ratios or anything like yeah. that to judge your strategies? Yeah. So the, the first one is going to be the number of trades. Uh, I want to have a really large number of trades to make sure that I mm -hmm. can rely on the, on the back test. Mm -hmm. uh, usually it means at least a thousand trades um, mm -hmm. that I want in the, in the strategy. Then the second most important metric is going to be the drawdown. So I'm trying to not get anything below 15% of drawdown. Um, otherwise, I just work again on the strategy or I'll just throw it away. Mm -hmm. The independence of the trade, which is what we discussed before, um, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I don't have like uh, half of my winners uh, during the first two months and then only losers for the next 10 months. Right, right. Um, profit factor is something I really like. Uh, trying to get it above two for my automated trading. Um, if it's below 1.5, I will definitely not, not use that strategy. And win rates, risk reward ratio, uh, not, not as important as the rest. Um, and finally, I just want to make sure that my strategy is giving better returns that, than the asset I'm trading over the specific period of time. Oh, fuck. <laughs> feel like I've slacked off and missed that point better than buy and hold basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> no, sure. I was uh, figure it out. I'm just wasting my time. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Thank you. So when you're running a live, so you, and you've, you've gone live with an algo, do you have uh, guardrails to determine if you might want to stop it uh, or do yeah. you give it a certain yeah. amount of time before stopping it? No. So, I've got to stop uh, every time it loses uh, street trades during the same day, mm -hmm. the algo is shut off. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't have any stops for the winning days, but for the losing days, uh, I've got a hard stop because it just means that the, the market conditions for that specific day are not good and I'm going to just keep having losers. Does that, you said that's not for the green days. So that, is that just any three losing trades in a row or is that? only three losing trades that result in a drawdown? Three losing trades in a row. Okay. Because, so this strategy is based on uh, high volumes. Mm -hmm. And so let's say you have like a, a trend day, you're going to have a lot of like local bottoms. Right. Um, and so if I get like a signal every time, um, to go long every time it keeps dipping, I'm, I'm just going to get murdered uh, <laughs> at the end of the day. So that's kind of the role that I found that has been 
working quite well um, since I launched it. Do you have a limit in mind when you would just turn it off and decide that it's lost the edge and start developing new strategies? Yeah, well, actually it happened, it happened in the past already. Um, basically, you want to compare like every week, you want to look at the stats of your algo and you want to compare them to the backtest. Mm -hmm. um, and if it deviates like significantly from, from the backtest that you have, um, it means that something is, is not working anymore. And so I'm, I'm going to look at the deviation from the current statistics to the backtested one to see if I want to, to continue using it. That's an interesting question. Do you do any uh, fine tuning of the, uh, the algos then? No. As each week goes on, or you just kind of leave it going if it's still working, it's not broke, don't fix it kind of thing? I, I don't do any of that. Uh, even though I have some uh, variables that I use that are based on some parameters of the market. Mm -hmm. So for instance, my stop loss uh, is going to be based on uh, some volatility uh, metrics right. that, that I have, and it's going to change like every day. Yeah, those kinds of things make sense. But like the actual core of the, the strategy itself, it just unless it deviates substantially on your weekly review, uh, you just it, set it and forget it kind of thing. Yeah, this I, I wouldn't change. Um, mm -hmm. Also, one of my previous strategy got into a drawdown of 18%, uh, which was more than what I had during my backtest. Uh -huh. uh, so I just shut it off um, a few months ago and I, I need to review it. But yeah, things like that will happen. Like I'm not expecting my strategies to work forever. Right. Um, and usually it's something people have in mind when they, they come to Argo trading. They think like, okay, I'm going to code something and it's going to work until the rest of my life and I'm going to be able to drink cocktails. Right. Yes. The, the money printer. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the absolute opposite. You know, like yeah. you have to spend so much time coding and, and looking for new ideas. Uh, it's, it's, it's a full time job almost. Well, yeah. so how long does an algo, like how long is the lifespan of a typical strategy that you come up with? Well, I hope I'll be able to come back 10 years from now on this podcast and, and give you an answer. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Let's not wait that long. <laughs> since, since I've been using like live algos for just a few months, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's of course difficult for me to give an answer. Oh, what I can enough. say is that like one of my algos, uh, didn't succeed as the Baptist suggested. And the second one is doing really well so far. So, mm -hmm. uh, got like a 50% win rate with, with my, uh, live algos at the moment. How long did it take to develop them? Uh, a long time. I mean, like the, like the reverse reversal algo that I have that is working now is, is something that I, that I've been thinking for such a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, on a higher time frame, um, but I developed it like around a year and a half ago. Um, and it took me like, once you have the idea, it's not going to take you a lot of time. Like I'm just going to lock myself in my office and in about <laughs> uh, two weeks, it's going to be done, you know, and I'll be up here, about the results. Right. Right. That's fine. That's one thing I do miss is getting into that coding zone where like everything just kind of like, that's nothing but you on the screen. Yep. That yep. is the best get into that, that flow state of just writing code. Yep. Yep. Uh, oh, I'm curious, uh, Rito, now that you've got a few months, I guess, of live algo trading, have you 
gone back and done the back test over that same period to see how the back test compares with live for the same data? Yep, absolutely. Uh, it's very similar. There's not a lot of differences. Uh, a bit on the sleep age. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm going to have a few ticks less or a few ticks more. Uh, but overall, uh, it's, it's uh, very close. Uh, something Purdue mentioned that I think I need to get better at doing is going back and replaying the, the same weeks just to see how well um, my, uh, my actual trading compares with the way I'm supposed to be doing it. Like, can, if I look at the same data, am I taking the same trades, you know? Right. Yeah, I think everyone everyone should do this. Uh, there, yeah. there was, uh, I think it's Anthony Frudelli who said that yeah. on Twitter. Like, mm -hmm. that's something he does, like, um, consistently. And when I read that, I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Like, you, you want to see if you are executing, like, perfectly as per your plan, because th that's where you make your money. Right, right. So you've been on a 10-year journey, it sounds like, and starting to, to realize the, the fruits of your labors. Like, what kept you from getting discouraged? Like, how did you, how'd you keep on with the drive and the dedication to keep moving forward? Um, yeah, that's, that's a, it has been a crazy journey so far. And even though I lost for more than eight years, uh, I always loved the market. Uh, like, money is not my driver at all. I, I just I just can't stop thinking about the market all the time. So what kept me going at it is, of course, the love for the market, but also I was kind of fortunate with a kind of high paying job uh, mm -hmm. as an actuary in the past. So I was able to like put 1000 or 2000 every month or so on my account. And even if I would lose it, you know, that was just like a demo account for me. Right. Didn't hurt you. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't save any money, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was money you could lose, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I was just fascinated, and I hate like the work environments uh, in, in in like the big companies, um, and I also I wanted to get out of that. So, yeah. you know, last year, even though I was you know, still having like some, some big, big losing day from time to time, I still decided to quit and mm -hmm. like give it a real shot because I had to work like 60, 70 hours a week, most of the time uh, at my job. So you can't, you, you can't really focus only on trading. So I was like, okay, right. I've got two years of savings uh, for expenses and like everything that, that goes with that. Uh, let's, let's give it a real try. And it, it has been the best thing. Like I, I can't focus like my whole day on trading. That's a, a very similar journey to I think what I had, although I'm still working on getting towards the profitability part, but it was kind of something similar. Like I was working a, a job that was, you know, paying well, but I think what I found is when I found the markets, I found that I didn't have the drive to keep doing the other job at all. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Yeah. So uh, kind of the same thing. Like I had enough uh, money put away that I, you know, can afford to to live off of that for a few years while I give this like a real shot. Like, what's what's something that you wish you could go back in time and tell, you know, five years ago yourself to try to shorten the development curve? Um, there's two specific examples. So the first one is to not 
gamble 50% of my account on each trade, <laughs> then I would have, would have gained a lot of time in my, in my journey. Yeah. Uh, but I guess I wasn't just ready for it yet. So, uh, I have to accept it. Yep. Sure. The second one, uh, a few years ago, I had an insane lucky run. So I run up an account from 1000 euro to 75,000 euros. Mm-hmm. And I lost it all in one day. Oh, oh. and that day, did you, did you bet 50% of 75,000 or something like that? I bet it all. Bet it all. Yeah. <laughs> Let it ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, actually I never talked about that loss on, on my Twitter. Um, that's a tough one. But yeah. I, I was like, that was insane. And I was like working from home, um, in a meeting and I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? You know, I just lost like a crazy amount of money. So these would be the two things I would, um, definitely not do again in the past. Yeah. Well, they're related. Right? Yeah. It's about risk management. I can save you some remorse and let you know that like I, we started this podcast like me and Dan two years ago or so. And we had some of the best and brightest minds come on and tell us exactly what we needed to do to be successful. And it didn't matter. Like until you've lived through it and like experienced it, I don't think you understand what lessons people are trying to teach you. Like you almost have to take your licks. Yeah. And it takes time. For, for no. some people, some people are quick and maybe it's going to take two or three years. And fuck some them. people, <laughs> <laughs> and for some people, it's just going to take like 10 years. You know, I'm, I'm very slow. Uh, it, also, it's very difficult. I feel when you come from like a scientific background to do trading, because, oh. you know, I, I was used to like, you know, if I do some calculation, I know it's going to be right. Like that's my oh, job. That's what I do. Yeah. And I was always very good at my job. But when you're trading, even if your trade is good or if it's bad, like maybe the outcome is going to be the opposite. An element of randomness to it. Exactly. And that's, it was very difficult for me to, to accept that. Yeah. It took a lot of time. There's the, there are so many obstacles in, in the trading journey, like from the strategy to over overcoming like all the mental difficulties from it. It's yeah, it's beautiful. That's phenomenally said. Yes. So what are you, so you've got your professional trader now, which is awesome. And you've got the goal to get 80% of your trading done with algos. What are your big goals after that? I'd like to work for a firm, um, like, like maybe a quant firm or, um, you know, some, some big names, uh, just to be able to scale up and make some real money at some point. Uh, and also for the challenge of working with professionals in the industry, that would be one of the big goal. Mm-hmm. Um, then the rest is pretty much the opposite. It's just like, keep doing my trading, uh, scaling up in terms of size, because in trading, you can always compound. There's no limit. So if I just keep doing what I do now and if it works for the next 10 years, who knows where I will be, but uh, it's just improving one day at a time. And I think that's all that matters in trading. If you're better than, than yesterday, you can oh. accomplish a lot of stuff. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's a that's phrase great. that I've used for years. <laughs> better than yesterday. Yeah. 
Suck a little yes. bit less every day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Robert, do uh, you have any other questions for, for retail here before we wrap things up? Um, well, it'd be oh, so retail, right, right at the end of last year, you uh, tested out, put your toes in the water of creating a Discord server. And, uh, <laughs> and I was on it right away. As you, as we know, we talked about that. So it'd be, I think that would be really useful to continue this discussion about coding and trading uh, on on that server. If if you want to try that again, I will probably do it again. Um, I I just realized after creating it that it would take a crazy amount of time to like take care of that Discord um, and that people will not specifically participate a lot. And so I kind of just gave up and I was like, okay, I'm not ready for this. I'm not going to force it. So I'll try again later. So I, I will do it at some point, um, probably in, in like the second part of, of, of the year uh, or when the volatility reduces on, on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But okay. uh, yeah, I, because I want to, to talk more about programming, you know, like on, on Substack, it's great to connect with people. Um, but then, you know, we can't talk on a daily basis. So Discord is a great option, definitely. Well, I just invited you to our server. You're welcome to to <laughs> to just uh, poke around and, and, and make use of our community if you want until you're ready to start your own. That way you don't have to worry about maintaining it. I appreciate that. <laughs> Actually, I like that idea. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, join us there. Perfect. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a very uh, a busy, I mean, we don't, yeah, we're not chatting all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's it's fairly low noise. Sounds perfect for me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I had one other thing that I wanted to bring up, but I'm not sure we got time here. I was just going to ask uh, if there's anything that I can do or say to try to mend the the fences between the French and American people, because it seems like there's still a lot of tension between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you can uh, teach me a phrase that I can say next time I meet someone who's French that that's basically says, I'm sorry that we keep sending our, our worst people over to your country and ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I love America, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm not a great example for, for what you're looking for because I, I dislike, <laughs> I really dislike French people uh, on average. Because oh, don't say that. I'm trying no, to mend like, the fence. <laughs> there we go. I'm, I'm on the American side. Like French people, they complain all the time and they never get things done. So I, I really much love the American uh, mentality of, you know, just get to work, do your stuff, be happy for other people's success. Like, uh, let, me, let me warn you, that's also not the norm here either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot of uh, a lot of people like to complain and not bring solutions that's something that used to drive me nuts like if you if you have a problem with something we're trying to do like come to me with a solution to make it better don't just complain about it exactly that's the most important being positive and bringing something to the table i think just in yeah. general most people aren't positive these days anymore anyway it's a difficult time i know all right. Well, sadly, folks, we have come to our end with uh, the end of our time with Robert and retail. But don't worry, there's still plenty more to see at his Substack. Find that at retailcapital.substack.com, as well as some great content he posts on Twitter. I uh, just got to follow at it's only money 
12. And that's the number 12. Uh, we'll put those links in the episode description. But for now, we got to say thank you so much to, to Retail Capital and Robert for taking the time to join us. Robert, thanks for the questions. They've been fantastic. And Retail, thanks for the, the, the time to give out the well-thought-out answers uh, and all the other resources that you provided us with. Can't really say thank you enough. Uh, and thank you to everybody who stuck around to the end. Uh, we'll be back soon with another exciting episode. Until then, we got to say goodbye. So, goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.